0: Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app.
1: This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity, your partner for life. Integrity recently launched an exclusive research paper to help advisors understand how to attract and retain new clients. They believe their role in the industry is bigger than just providing products. They wanna help create a sustainable industry, educate clients and support advisors personally in their business. You can get a copy of the report and learn more about Integrity if you visit integritylife.com.au forward slash xy.
0: Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and we are talking about an interesting startup uh, that works with, well, sort of not so start- startup anymore, I shouldn't say, but it works with uh, that planners in helping uh, their clients who are approaching the retirement stage. And, uh, and I welcome uh, Natalie Yan Chetonsky, uh, a startup entrepreneur who is working with planners. Welcome, Natalie.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Fraser.
0: Uh, no, you're very welcome now i uh, do you want to give i think i probably um did your business no justice at all with my introduction so do you want to give us a quick uh, overview of your business
1: full-time lives helps people make meaningful changes to their retirement and so we work with them when they're in their middle age when they're still in their full-time jobs and um, haven't yet faced the big changes that might be going on or might be crossing their minds so um I guess we're we're working with people at a really exciting time in their stage when they're caught on the cusp of major life changes as a family unit, maybe even considering moving communities, moving houses. And uh, so we work with planners to help them think about the non-financial aspects of planning for the next chapter after life after full-time work.
0: Yeah, very well said. Yeah, exactly right. So working with planners, so uh, you work on everything that's not the financial side and the planner works with everything that is the financial side of somebody's you know, preparing
1: for retirement. Correct. It's very complementary because you've got to think about all the aspects from a financial aspect when you're planning for retirement, but then from a non, non-financial lifestyle planning perspective, all that other stuff also takes a very long time to plan and experiment to yep. be ready for.
0: Exactly. Now, tell us about your background because you're not from a financial advice background. You're from a human being background, not that <laughs> advisors aren't, aren't uh, human beings. But let's uh, let's go back and uh, tell us about your journey into starting this business.
1: Sure. Uh, look, I've always had a, a background in product management. I've worked in a whole range of different sectors. And my during the time that I was in my last job in financial services, it was around um, in the payments industry, I was really thinking about what I could do to use my product management skills and um, I guess it started off as a personal interest in terms of understanding how do people seamlessly move into retirement and still lead a really meaningful life after full-time work. And um, so during that time in my spare time, I ended up interviewing hundreds of people at various different stages of retirement some fully into retirement and were leading really fulfilling lives and doing very interesting things with their time. Uh, Others were still on the struggle and would share interesting stories of how it was really difficult, was different from how they expected to have the time and money that they have always thought that they wanted, but then didn't really have much of a sense of meaning and had a bit of a void in their lives. So, It was from having those customer interviews that I realised that there was a massive market gap as well as a social gap. No one was actually effectively helping these individuals make that journey from one stage of their lives to the other. So if you look at young people who are coming out of school, going to uni, coming out of uni into the workforce, there's a lot of support for people going through that end of their career Whereas coming out of a full-time career where you've dedicated your whole life to, there's less support. And and the fact that things are changing, tech has extended our lifespan and there's also issues around ageism, Uh, it's it's a really complex stage in people's lives and there's no necessarily one way to move into retirement other than maybe doing it slowly and being very careful and trying lots of different things before you, you know, end up making any dramatic decisions. So um, so I realised it was a very underserved market and I was encouraged by a lot of people who, who were at various different stages of retirement saying, yeah, if you could build a business to help people just like us learn about what the different options are, be inspired by really happy stories of uh, different things that people have done, and give us some guidance around the steps that we should go down so that we can do these things and also help others who are much earlier in the retirement planning path. Um, So from there, that's where Full-Time Lives came about.
0: Yeah, there's nothing more exciting as an on, as an entrepreneur that when you do discover that there is a need uh, and there's a possible solution and all of a sudden your mind starts going into overdrive to say, right, I think I can solve this problem. We can do this and <laughs> this and go from there. So it must have been a pretty uh, exciting time. Obviously having those interviews with, with all of those people and that was part of a, a previous um, job that you were doing, was it?
1: I do a lot of customer interviews as a product manager. And even now, you never assume that you know everything about your customer. Even when you've got an established product service or business, it's really important to stay connected to what customer needs are, not just from a selling perspective, but in terms of how do you talk to them, what sort of information are they after that you could potentially serve or partner with content providers to offer information that would be useful in guiding them through the difficult stages in their lives or or pain points. So um, yeah, it was from my background as a product manager of really understanding design thinking that I apply to my own business.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so now, so that's prompted you to then create uh, this plan and this product. Well, it's kind of a product, I guess we could call it. Uh, and for, for those that are listening that don't quite understand what we're talking about with product, it's often often in a in a product manager scenario. It's a tech product, or it's a solution based product, or it's a design thinking based product, uh, where we say, okay, great, how can we solve this problem with a by using a product, and then you go about to build a product. I guess is the best way to describe a product manager um so as we're going as you're going through this process and you've created this this idea of you know how do we help these people and you've worked out that there's a a, a huge issue or problem with people that are going through that transition from one full-time uh, career as a employee or as a worker to another full-time career as a retired person or no longer working but still needs to fill their lives with full-time full-time activity how did you then come up with the you know the 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 key ingredients if you like of what that new life might look like and then set about you know put, putting that into a into a into a program if you like
1: it was a combination of those insights that i took from the customer interviews so that's the qualitative research as well as the quantitative research so you do that through things like surveys quizzes and also desktop research and also field study. So um, I have been to a couple of the blue zones. So blue zones are parts of the world where people long live long, healthy, happy lives. There's about seven of these regions around the world. Initially it was five and there's subsequently been two that have taken the nine common factors and applied it to their society in order to lift up the happiness and health, health expectancy levels so I went and visited two of them, including Okinawa in Japan and Loma Linda in California, just to be on the ground because as much as you can read a lot, what I wanted to do is actually pick up on uh, some insights and observe exactly what it was that made them so happy and lead really meaningful lives. And um, it was probably a combination of constant ideation and iterations of our program that where I brought in a combination of facilitating the content, presenting some of the stories that I've picked up in interviewing lots of people from around the world, that it all came together. Um, So, I mean, I do have a background in running ideation workshops, so that was a skill that became very useful. So, um, you know, at the beginning of the journey of being, you know, looking to how I'd solve this problem in terms of helping people transition smoothly into retirement, I didn't really know what the solution was going to be. Was it going to be an app? Was it going to be, you know, some kind of um, product that you buy off the shelf that has content in it, like a book? Um, and to where we've landed is actually. Facilitating conversations. So as much as we we have written some workbooks, we have a lot of worksheets, but what I'm realising is that when people hear other people's stories, then they're in that intimate mode of listening to others as well as having the right questions being posed to them when they're in a really relaxed, creative state. That's when they can have an epiphany around how to reshape what they need to do. Um, So I guess it's been a process of combining my knowledge, professional knowledge, as well as what has resonated with the market and constantly iterating. That's really important to not necessarily be wedded to what your initial idea around what the solution might look like, but actually put stuff out there, even if it's in small bite sizes, testing each component, Refining it until you get the right combination and until you get product market fit.
0: Yeah, fantastic. It's, everything you say resonates. And I do like the facilitated conversation uh, idea. Obviously, that's uh, the, the premise for a lot of podcasts, you know. Um, so, same sort of conversations, you know, your story and how you went about it. Now, talk to me a bit more, a bit more about these blue zones because I'm fascinated with um, the blue zones and, and what they're doing in those blue zones for the to that, that makes everybody so happy.
1: Mm. So probably one of the things that is probably best known about the blue zones is and because there's so many blue zone recipe books. So Dan Buettner, who was the one who came up with the term blue zones, and um, he went on his own study tours a few decades ago to all these different locations um, to carry out you know research, and he brought a whole bunch of different disciplinary leaders. And um, what they found were there were nine common factors. And so the diet aspect is all about eating a a plant-based diet. So that's quite obvious. Um, The other aspect is about moving. So it doesn't necessarily mean going to the gym, but it's having... um, a lifestyle where you're constantly moving about and not necessarily relying on cars, um, you're not sitting, sitting down all the time, you're actually doing things like gardening and you're walking around your local area. And the other aspect that I've taken a lot of and baked into our content and our programs is the social connection, connection aspect So that's incredibly important in terms of that engagement and respect that people have, that even when you stop work, you're still very much an important part of the community. So uh, that's probably what's very different and why the life expectancy is higher in these small pockets compared to the rest of their nations. So the life expectancy in Okinawa is still significantly higher than the rest of Japan. And, and it's it's that social engagement and connection as well as um, I guess the social structure is very aware of the small groups are important so in Okinawa they have a concept called moai and a moai is a small group of about five people who go through life together and um, they're not necessarily members of their family um, they uh, if they were lucky enough to have been allocated to a wife from the time they were a baby, then they will essentially grow up and be a, a set group of friends of five people who go through the ups and downs of life. And, and I guess the fact that it's formalised says something about the fact that that number of five, five very close people in your life who you listen to, who you share your deepest worries with, and they will support you in time. Says a lot about something that maybe we can adapt and you know adopt and think about in our own lives in terms of really identifying. Well, who do I want to keep in my life as I you know move from work into that next chapter? Who do I really want to support and um, give back to and um, really value? So, um, so that's something that's really made me think a lot about. Who is important in my life, and, and equally also thinking about who, no, no, who not no longer has a role in your life. And, you know, and because we all have limited hours in the day, and you can't be spread so thin. So I've actually, you know, made some decisions along the way and just learning from my observations and spending time in the blue zones. In trying to apply all of this in my own life, in terms of really deprioritizing the things that are no longer valuable or important to me, and that has included a few people that maybe not um, necessarily made me feel that it was bringing out the best in me. Yeah,
0: fantastic. So you're using your analysis brain to turn around and go, right? Who who do I want to have in my very close inner circle? Um, that I you know want to trust with all my um, emotions and feelings and those sorts of things and then who don't want to have in the sort of the second level out and those sort of things is it was there many other levels that it was it uh, you know you very close group of five and then a, a, a slightly bigger social community and then a larger acquaintances community or was it
1: yeah definitely that plays into it in terms of the, as you say the circles of networks so um, Yeah, so there definitely has been quite a lot of longevity research into um, even the role that a barista plays in your life. So, you know, those sorts of day-to-day engagements of, you know, whether it's the person at the corner store, the barista, your neighbours, you don't necessarily have to just have those deep relationships, um, you know, good friends, but those other relationships are also really important So that's why the sixth and seventh blue zone that have essentially reconstructed the blue zone internet, so Singapore, for example, um, there's all kinds of government policy and um, employer policies for older workers that really encourage a lot of these concepts in terms of living close to um, your family as well as um, being close to others and, and encouraging people to walk a lot more and be less sedentary at home so um and getting people to just be more physical in their day-to-day lives
0: yeah well i mean i could kick out with you all day about this but uh, we probably should should move on to the next part of the conversation now i want to talk about the uh, the, the the five key ingredient um that uh, you, that you've developed um and if we just quickly go for an overview of those then we might d- dive into each one uh, mm-hmm. uh number one
1: the first one is a sense of purpose, or as the Okinawans call it, ikigai. Yep. And so there's been several books that have come out on the topic of how do you live, how do you lead a life with purpose or ikigai?
0: Yep. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, and number two?
1: The second one is community.
0: Yep, obviously, yes, we just sort of mentioned upon. Uh, and the third, the third area? Vitality. Yep, making sure that you're looking after yourself and that you're happy, and you get up and you you can you, you, you as you said move a lot. Uh, and number four,
1: lifelong learning.
0: Yep, lifelong learning and that, uh, that keeping the mind active. And then, of course, the fifth one is the one where the financial advisor really kicks in.
1: Wealth. So having enough wealth to do all those great things in life.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right, so uh, let's start with purpose. Um, let's go a little bit deeper into that and and how. Uh, how people can then find their purpose or work out what they are and sort of because I guess a lot of people may not be uh, spend time consciously thinking about what their, their purpose is.
1: Yeah, so we actually have a transition readiness quiz that we offer financial planners to give their clients to fill out and consistently what we find is the area of the five key ingredients people struggle with. This whole idea of having a sense of purpose. Um, what is it? And what does it mean to them as well? Because it means different things to different people. But I guess um, how I can easily break it down would be it's it's a combination of activities or one activity or even job or project that brings together your strength, your passion, and also what does the world value in you and what does the world need? So those external factors are incredibly important when we're thinking about a meaningful lifestyle because it's not just what you want to do and what you're passionate about. That's part of it. The other big component is also thinking about where is the world going? So that's something that's you've got to, re, and that's where research and also just exploring what your options are are really important because if the world's changed, then, that's you've got to figure out where is your place in that changing world to stay relevant.
0: Yeah. Now, now, if we go a bit deeper into this, I um, I really like the idea that your purpose is something that will maybe never be achieved. It's like it's it's so great that you are not going to tick that box anytime, but you're working towards it, or you're moving um, something in a better way towards it, or uh, and I guess there's a lot of this purpose conversation is where a lot of, you know, beliefs in the past might have been, whether it's religious beliefs or whether it's, um, you know, beliefs about other things, these, 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 the greater good, if you like.
1: And I think the Japanese word um, ikigai translates to getting out of bed. What gets you out of bed every day? So that simplifies it. So when you start to think, oh, yeah, what does excite me and want me to, you know, get my day started? That's, that's a very simple way to really think about what or who makes me feel that way.
0: Yeah. And when I, when I distill this down into actually, you know, thinking about how you might consider your own, you know, purpose and passions, it's, it's kind of like what describe the best activities during the day that you've ever, you've ever done or had, or what were the best meetings you've had? And and then what, what, what was it about those things that made you really enjoy them?
1: Yeah, exactly. The other way that we help people think about it is we have an innovation canvas, which I'll give you the link to so they can download it, and it just asks them a bunch of different questions about the activities they're doing in their lives as well as their mindset as well as how does the world see them and value them. And, And the question that people get most stuck on, I'd say, would be, um, the question around it's we put it towards the end intentionally and that question is what do people value in you Yeah, and, and that's that- quite important because obviously it's that feedback me- mechanism that you get from people of, and and that's what i see in the blue zones that people are generally really happy and integrated they're part of a group that sense of belonging is just so important
0: yeah so in a way um it's it feels to me that it's about uh what do you give um before you what you receive in that in that zone like how can i how can i be here to give something and then something comes back to me i don't know what it's going to be or how it's going to work but it, it it might be that the more you give the more you receive is that the same concept
1: absolutely and and just yeah that concept of giving and 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 i guess one of the things that comes up when we talk about what gives you a sense of purpose is actually getting people to think about well what gives you that sense of purpose and who can you give it to um, and be really specific. And often in our workshops, people end up landing on um, the idea that oh, I'm going to research what sort of skill volunteering I can do. They may not have ever done it before because they've been too busy in their careers They might have done a little bit of mentoring. They might have done a little bit of uh, non-skilled volunteering, like working in a soup kitchen on the odd day. But um, in terms of really thinking long and hard about what skills and what are they passionate about, like what sort of causes or people they'd like to serve, you know, that really makes them think about, oh, yeah, there's definitely um, places and people who I can give my time and effort and knowledge to. How can I do that so that it's fulfilling and and, and people can benefit from my legacy?
0: Yeah, skilled volunteering—that's a really that's a really great way. That's a really nice way of putting it. Um, now, uh, I, I also think that you know, just on this topic, that giving as part of a community um, is where it's all at. You know, like if you're if you're part of a community, that's a, an association or the X Y advisor community, for example, um, you get the most out of that skilled volunteering that actually. Putting some, putting something into it, uh, and then people react to that and give give stuff back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people often say that they get more out of volunteering than anything else. Um, It just far outweighs what they're giving
0: yeah fantastic and we'll definitely put a link to that innovation canvas um, in there uh, as well too um to, to for people to be able to to refer to something now that sort of brings us to the the second point which is community um, and we did touch on this a little bit but let's let's go a little bit deeper into that community and how advisors can work with clients to find to help um, their their clients find this community
1: Look, it's really really just posing the question and getting them to think about What community do you live in, whether it's a virtual community or where do you live? Who is your tribe? And you can belong to a number of different communities, but I guess this becomes important in the advisor or planner's conversations with their clients when conversations around right sizing comes up. So uh, where it typically comes up in conversations is when people think about um, where they might want to buy a second home, like a beach house or country house, with the intention of potentially retiring there. So um, so I guess when I have uh, had numerous conversations with people in the full-time lives community as well as interviewees, some of the negative stories that came out in terms of making decision too quickly around moving to a different community um was if they didn't actually just think about the like the practical aspects of the home like you know the number of bedrooms the price of the home and um you know what sort of sort of lifestyle like is it beachy or or kind of country um those are things that you, you can think about and research quite easily, but a lot of people um, who I've spoken to did who did struggle and ended up, you know, regretting the decisions they made is um, when they actually made the major move and maybe, you know, sold their home in the capital city and um, did do the right sizing exercise and realising that sense of loneliness because family and friends weren't around them. Um, people said they might go and visit them, but it wasn't that frequent because it was too far away. And or they didn't integrate very well with the community that they moved to. So that's that's something that people need to be aware of when they're considering those sorts of big decisions around where are they going to move to next. It, it's really important to have established a really strong community bond and relationship and you know, even doing some volunteering to start with to get to know the locals, to build up some friendships, to see if that's exactly the type of people you want to spend the rest of your life with.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting. It's
1: interest, a lot harder to step back from that.
0: It's a very interesting transition conversation, isn't it? Because it does take time to build those communities and to build those relationships inside a community. Um, and yeah, you're right. If you do move away, you know, move to the the seascape, or moved, you know, move away to this place where you're going to th- theoretically retire to, then uh, then yeah, it, it's like starting again with your friendship groups.
1: Absolutely, and that's really difficult for some people. So, um, but then for others who've already, that that's always been where they've spent a lot of time with and have a lot of friends there and have activities already established, then that's a really smooth transition. So I guess in the conversations that advisors might be having with their clients who might be making those sorts of decisions, it is good for them to ask those questions. Do you have an established community already in that place that you're going to move to?
0: Yeah. And, and um, I guess a lot of the time, the financial decisions, which we'll get to obviously, uh, are about those about, about these ideas, i.e. Oh, yeah, we're going to buy something and move to the beach and that's going to be our retirement plan. Um, but then uh, I guess, the the like you said, some, having s- some seriously good questions uh, in your arsenal to to talk to those clients about at that moment um, to dig a little bit deeper. Absolutely. Now, the, the third area of this is the vitality. And we sort of m- mentioned the moving a little bit more, but ha- talk to us about this it's it's obviously fairly important it's one of the key ingredients
1: yeah so it's a combination of diet and uh, moving in your lifestyle and not being sedentary but the other aspect to touch on is spirituality so um, it is a question that we ask people in the transition quiz Um, you know do you have any form of spirituality and it's quite varied in australia Um, So my observation is that spirituality can mean different things in in any of those blue zones. So um, Okinawa, they don't necessarily have the same religion as the rest of Japan. They believe in the spirits being in nature. So therefore their uh, relationship with nature is very different in terms of that great respect and really um, being very aware of nature and, and the fact that it can change and flowing with it. Um, Also in Loma Linda, so their form of spirituality is the fact that it's a seven-day Adventist town. So there's about 30 churches in that town and it's quite a small town. Like it's, you know, got about 30,000 people who live there. So high density of churches. And and their lifestyle is very much around um, having a day of rest on Saturday. So, therefore, their weekend starts on Friday. So, when I visited and I arrived on a Friday afternoon, nothing was open like, no restaurants or shops. Um, and then even the burger shops were all plant based burger shops. So, that's where, you know, where the religion really plays a part in what people eat and what they do when they have um, downtime. They'll spend time connecting with people in the community as well as going hiking in the mountains nearby so you know so i guess that concept of vitality is mental it's physical it's spiritual and it's also social
0: yeah yeah exactly which which is all part of the community but now i just want to touch on this this spirituality part both those communities you mentioned were they had the same the same spirituality right so it's it's i believe the same thing and you believe um and therefore we're both on the same page does that have something to do with it like could it work if they were different spiritualities and within the group
1: yeah that's a really good question. I never really thought about that. Um, it may well be that that's why there is social cohesion. Yeah you're right and that has been raised as would the blue zones work in Australia because it's such a diverse country of very people with very different backgrounds. I personally believe that um, acceptance of differences and you know being able to fit into and live with lots of different other people would be one thread that would bring us all together and and even just back to the point about intergenerational communities and workforces that acceptance of people who are different to you
0: yeah exactly i think uh, i think that would probably have to be the key because you, you wouldn't want it to be part of something that you know caused uh friction
1: yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: Now, does it, do they also talk about the concept of like with vitality because obviously uh, sleep's a big part of that, you know, the regeneration and those sorts of things. Is that also part of it?
1: I don't know. I, I It makes sense. Mm. Um, like, yeah, they haven't really analysed it to that level. Yep. Um, but my research into some of the, um, I guess, the common factors of what makes a long, healthy life, sleep is definitely a really important aspect.
0: Yep. Fantastic. Now, um, they, we we mentioned uh, the um, physically and mentally uh, being a big part of it. So, just on the on the mental side, uh, probably leads us into the, the the fourth section, which is lifelong learning and, and creating that idea of continually um, taking on knowledge and, and then continually also passing on that knowledge. I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that quest for knowledge is incredibly important, in, and it ties back to that ikigai of really trying to stay relevant and knowing what's going on in the world around you. so not all, not being completely immersed in just the things that you want to do that you're passionate about and things that you love doing, but linking it back to the rest of the world and being very aware of what um, what's going on and 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 improving yourself. So um, yeah it's a, that's something that we've found uh, is an important trait in terms yeah. of that sense of curiosity and doing something about
0: it. Curiosity. I love that. Um, so yeah, so this is a, this is, this, I guess this works from two angles. One is the, um, the, 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 the emotional side of, you know, knowing something new and feeling proud about what you've achieved and and been able to, um, uh, Have conversations about those those new things, but also from a neurological pathway. I guess it's creating new neurological pathways, new neurons, and that's also um, a a lot to do with the life expectancy. When your brain is going, you know what? We're still growing. We're still doing stuff. We're not. We're not. um, You know, we're not on a downward slope. We're on an upward slope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the other aspect why we thought it was a really important ingredient to have is that when you look at the new hundred year life model. Um, So that's a new model that replaces the traditional model of work, study, work and retirement being the three major acts of your life. Now that we're living longer and therefore effectively working for more than 50 years, how do you rejuvenate, retrain in between career breaks? So so during new career breaks, in order to sustain your energy and to keep going with your work, the concept of pausing to take stock and just reflect on, well, where am I going and where do I actually want to keep going for the next five or six years from a work perspective, whether it's unpaid or or paid work, that retraining and and lifelong learning aspect is an incredible, um, incredibly important if you want to sustain employment or even kind of come in and out of paid employment to have that flexibility, so that you you can always, you know, keep earning a gainful employment. Yep. Um, so there's that financial aspect as well in terms of being able to earn enough to keep going, but then learning about things that uh, can build on your experience and skills and capability that the world actually values and will pay for.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Now uh, that that um, sort of brings us to the the fifth key ingredient which is wealth uh probably don't need to spend too much time on this one because this is uh this is where the financial planners come in
1: yeah and I'm, i guess where we landed in terms of partnering with financial planners was the the fact that people initially consider how much money do i need to retire that's often one of the first questions that will prompt people to go and find a financial planner if they never had one before and so it's also if those um, planners have been supporting middle-aged people, at some point those conversations will come up and that's where full-time lives can come in and jointly have those conversations from a non-financial aspect because it goes in hand, hand in hand. And it makes those conversations much more meaningful for the financial planner when they ask them, well, what are your retirement goals? What sort of outcomes are you seeking to get And, you know, what sort of wealth strategy do do we need to create for you? If the person has actually got a really good idea, not just at a really high-level perspective, but actually have tried all of the things that they say they want to do, then it's more likely to actually happen and they're more likely to do something that's not going to be risky because they have never done that before. It's not a radical different um, change for them.
0: Yep. So so how do you, like, full-time lives works with planners? You, you, we sort of talked about this is the sort of the content that you would mostly go through, but from a practical point of view, um, is it it's sort of workshops that you run, uh, peer groups? T- talk us through that exactly, yeah, how that works that, from the client's point of view.
1: So we offer a number of different resources and tools as well as programs. So depending on how the planner would like to engage with us in order to meet the information needs of their pre-retiree clients. Um, so, and often it's a combination of all those different ways. So, we're the ones who will um, provide the non-financial aspects of retirement in terms of regular newsletter content, um, the quizzes, and you know, uh, attaching templates for those clients to fill out relating to certain themes. We also have a, a starter kit that the planners can give their clients and it basically is a set of really colourful cards that helps them brainstorm what sort of activities they could be doing um, one step at a time that would be something new and different they can do as they transition from full-time work. And then we also do a four-module transition program that uh, increasingly we're doing over Zoom. So a um, so, so four-module
0: Transition program. That is, now that you've worked out all these things, then what do you need to do about it? Is it?
1: Um, it actually takes people through all of the content that we've been talking about today in a workshop form- forum. So people have the opportunity to go through more of a structured approach in applying this content we've talked about today through um, thinking about the world around them, how that's changing, then ideating on what they can do. So, like, say for example thinking about ikigai, what does that mean to them, and then breaking that down to a 90-day plan. So um, the first step they need to take is like run a one-week experiment. So between weeks three to four of the program, they need to have taken one aspect of their 90-day plan done an experiment, and then report back to the rest of the group, how did they go in the last week? Um, this is a way to show themselves that you can actually get going no matter how far off from retirement you are to actually um, start to think about, well, what do I need to do if I do a little bit each week and um, and uh, teaching them an experimental approach that you haven't failed just because you tried something and it didn't quite work out the way you expected. And, and that's why the group... Discussions are really important because everyone gets to hear different people's experiences. Like some people will find that they were um, so busy that they didn't even get to do their one-week experiment. That says a lot about them and that they're, they're overcommitted and, you know, realising you've got to lose something, you've got to prune something from your life in order to grow. Other people were really excited that they just got started. So, you know, that a lot of the value that we deliver is actually just helping people take that first step once people are on their way, then it's a lot easier to go, oh right, um did that, that worked out really well, I'll do more of that and just keep going. And for others, it's oh tried that, didn't like it, um, I'll pivot to something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what's the perfect age group for um for people that you the workshops that you're working with?
1: So that's about age and probably more about what's happening in their lives, whether there's major changes happening um, at the work on, you know, in terms of how they're looking at work. And also the um, other aspect would be their family unit. So uh, if they've got children who are leaving school or maybe they're about to become an empty nester. It's often, the mothers who are more aware of the stage that's about to happen, so she's been thinking more about that change and what she wants to do work wise, and um, you know, in terms of how she's going to fill her time. Um, that's a big generalization, but what we do find that there are definitely gender differences,
0: yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, but but in that pre retirement space, I guess, is the people yeah. coming up, so with that.
1: anyone from um late 40s up, yeah, um, and and ideally. They've still got quite a few years off from retirement because um, if they've come to us just as they're retiring, it's almost too late to have explored lots of different options.
0: Yep. And so if as a planner was to organise, I'm going to put you on the spot here, if a planner was to organise a workshop, how much approximately would they be paying for each of the clients?
1: About $300 per head.
0: Okay, for, for a four-week program. Correct. Okay, that sounds right. And so, so your business works with planners. How, What's the sort of things that it's um, it's it's been doing in the past? That's changing in the future. Have you worked out what um, what you might be doing to, as as changes come along?
1: I think COVID has definitely shifted the way people um, engage with others using digital. Um, a lot of opportunities have opened up for us in terms of working on a global scale. Um, just because the target market have previously said, "Oh, there's no way we would." and this is the individuals, um, people who are actually approaching retirement who previously said the workshop is so great, it's so immersive, Um, I would never do this online. But I've since gone back to uh, people who have done our face-to-face workshops and asked them, well, over the last year during COVID-19, have you been on any Zoom webinars, have you done any workshops? And they've all said yes. So that's changed the way that we can deliver our content so that it's a lot more scalable.
0: I've always found it interesting too that if you uh, approach somebody and say this is how we deliver it and they've never been through the the face-to-face workshops, then they don't feel like they're missing out. They just feel like this is the way it's done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the key is actually the group discussions and pairing up, which you can still do over Zoom with breakout rooms.
0: Yep. Yep. So why, so why financial advisors? Why was that um, something that you decided would be a good option for your business? Can you, could you not take this to um, to groups or communities or employers?
1: Um, we explored a lot of different potential partners in the early days. And we did look at working with large employers. I spoke to three of the big four banks, spoke to super funds, life insurance companies, spoke to community groups. And what I realise is that from the individual's point of view, unless their mindset is actually ready to make change in their lives and it's unless they've actually indicated that they're, they're asking that big initial trigger question, do I have enough super in order to retire, unless they're actually thinking that far ahead and being ready for it financially, they're not always ready to make those other changes in their lives. Um, so I, I guess it's time and place and also whether those people are really ready to make change to their lifestyle today for their future selves. And so, um, so there's a combination of the individual being ready and to have those sorts of conversations and really put the work into planning their other aspects to lead a meaningful, healthy, connected lifestyle um, and then there's also the buyer aspect. So in terms of who's willing to work with us and acknowledge that these individuals are going through major changes, major challenges, and um, who plays a role in supporting them and offering the content and the services and programs to help people through that quite difficult stage in life. And I, I have found that employers aren't necessarily open to that at this point in time. Um, in terms of those diversity groups in their workforce, there's other groups that they'd prioritise a lot higher and it might be more vulnerable or disadvantaged groups within their workforce that they're more likely to support and older workers aren't necessarily a specific group that are seen as being vulnerable or disadvantaged. And, and I see that as a bit of a problem um, with six generations in the workforce and some people having a lot to give in terms of that corporate IP, knowledge, that ability to mentor younger staff and, um, you know, all that knowledge and experience disappears once that person leaves the company. So it's a wasted opportunity, but slowly but surely, I think the larger companies will probably shift and follow the, in order to stay competitive as an employer, will probably follow the model of smaller companies that doing really great things to support older workers
0: yeah. yeah it'd be interesting to see how that um that plays out because you're right there are there is a bit of um that uh, i don't know ageism in the in the workplace in, in a way in a lot of ways and and i always come back down that i keep coming back down to your sort of five key ingredients you know having passion um and purpose and about something in the community and vitality and all, in the workforce you could just overlay those those five things in the workforce or as part of a business and then that brings somebody's longevity in their business or in their working life into it as well. So it's not just about retirement. You could apply the same things in, in the in the workforce.
1: Absolutely. And you could argue that the five key ingredients are important for anyone at any stage of their lives.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So, uh, well, thank you so much. As a as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur I've I've loved the way that you've gone about um, structuring the, the the your business or building your business off the back of some really great research and and, and some really uh, good understanding of what the problem was and the and the demographic and, and understanding how you can make some real change in people's lives and uh, and help them out. So, so thank you for coming on and, and having a chat to us. Um, if if planners want to get hold of you, what's the best way, what's the best way they can find you?
1: Best way to reach us is at fulltimelives.com and and also we have a white paper for financial planners for them to get some tips on how they can support their clients through a hundred year life. So I'll give you the link to put in your show notes.
0: Yes, fantastic. Thank you, Natalie. Really appreciate uh, your time and energy and what you've done for our community.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well there you have it, another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. And it's now time for an amazing part of the week but for him and I to do some shout outs. Get a M.
1: Hey Fraser, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Uh, who are we giving All a right. shout-out to today?
1: Today I want to give a big shout-out to Michael Laws from Affinia Advisors. He has kicked off a space specifically for advisors in the Affinia license on XY as a way for their advisors to connect, collaborate, share ideas, ask questions, and really improve um, just in how they're running their businesses, delivering advice, or all all sorts of things. Um, Some awesome conversations in there already, and we're really excited to support these guys and help them create a really great, valuable, thriving space for their current and future Affinia advisors.